1: Good afternoon and
0: welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. And a fine libations Friday to you and yours, loosey-goosey, as we get set. Roll into the weekend with a big Florida State basketball game tomorrow and plenty of football to... Really, this is one of those... This is the weekend, right? I love this particular weekend. Um, it's You're always trying to combat the sadness that comes with this as you realize... The end is nigh. It's close. It's about to happen. The football is about to no longer be here. Like You're fighting that off, re- recognizing that you have to enjoy the now. I'm Jeff, Director Matthew in the house, Tom in the house. Of course, as always, you're you. Thanks for uh, joining us. We do appreciate it on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. My mom will be along in the second hour to gloat what is uh, a certain victory, I would think. Good morning, Troy. Thanks for saying that to us, as I forget that it is morning time where you are. It's also bitterly cold where you are. Not so here today. Tom, what about you, baby? Nice and cold up there in New York, I would assume.
2: It is snowing outside of my window. It's a a pretty good amount of dust that's coming down. It's collecting on the ground, and uh, it's it's weird to be doing the JCS with snow outside the window. It's, It's very strange, but cool.
0: Try to enjoy it. Make your way to the pub down the street after the show for your first cold one of the weekend in the snow, buddy. How about that?
2: Actually going into the city tonight to go get a steak. Looking forward to it. Boom.
0: You know what today is? Today is uh, Mark's 22 years. Can you believe this, guys? 22 years ago on this very date, it was uh, a play that, uh, well, we still talk about because I'm bringing it up right now. It's Tom Brady's lost fumble to the Raiders in a blizzard 22 years ago, which was then overturned and called an incomplete pass, which led to all of us learning of the league's quote-unquote tuck rule, which at the time none of us had ever heard of nor seen. And that is why the Patriots' dynasty was born. You could argue. That kept the drive alive in the divisional round. A comeback win over the Raiders. And a win that sent them on to their first of six Super Bowls, and the start of a dynasty that is unmatched. And um, much to the chagrin of all of us non-Patriots fans, certainly. But that was the the birth of the run and the legend. And I can still remember where I was when it happened and watching the game. And because, uh, because, see, Tom, I was still on the air. I came in on Monday and talked about it. <laughs> That's right. 22 years ago, something of significance happened in the playoffs, and I came in on a Monday and talked all about it. Just like maybe something in the playoff this weekend, and we'll come in on a Monday and talk about it. In fact, I was firmly established at this point 22 years ago today as a rising star in Tallahassee and beyond. That's exactly right. That's how long I'd been on the air. A good four years.
2: I was a sophomore in high school. I was a, a sophomore <laughs> in high school. Now, I knew about the JCS about four years later. Mm. I would say second year of college is when I first found my way to the AM dial. I already did listen to the AM dial because I was a sports radio nerd, but it wasn't until about age nineteen, age 20. So, you, you. were doing those segments, I was none the wiser that my future landing spot career and a partner on the screen was doing his thing and building up his uh, reputation.
0: Yeah, so uh, it is kind of it is kind of nuts because um, I will I will tell you that uh, at that time anything like that that was that big I would get so excited about because I would I would sit down and um, and I would write out you know you'd write it out I would write out sort of my opinions of this and then I would set over here I, I had a whole different method I it, it's it's fascinating to think back on those times but yeah I can still remember that play and God I think if I were a Raiders fan I'd still be livid. There's nothing about that that's not a fumble. Everything about that plays a fumble. You can every time you know you're flipping around and you're watching like a football life and something like that'll come on, you'll see that replay. Uh they did it with with Woodson and uh I remember watching that play again and going, "Man, that is like that's a that is an incredible reach." Like there's no I'd never seen that before. And it directly
2: led to Tampa Bay's first Super Bowl because the disappointment yeah. for the Raiders franchise led them to trade, trade John Gruden to Tampa. That was and another. I think it basically led to both because it makes those dominoes fall that Brady comes to Tampa all those years later. The, the dynasty doesn't build. So I think the tuck rule led to both of Tampa Bay's Super Bowls. And so I'm very thankful for that play in NFL history.
0: It's crazy. And then we end up playing that Raiders team, you know, of course, and and winning the Super Bowl and all that happened. That was it. Was a, a weird, weird time, uh, and the, the first of two Super Bowls the Bucks have won. Tom Atlanta still looking for theirs, and uh, obviously the Dolphins can't win a playoff game to save their life. So it's just been it's been a long, long time for the other teams, and of course Jacksonville reverted back to being the butts this year. Uh, they they had to believe they were on the precipice of something significant. Instead, they're back to being losers.
2: Well, and then you've got the New Orleans situation where they had the greatest head coach of all time who's not similar to Mike McCarthy in any way, shape, form, or fashion if you look at their career resumes. He's not the same at all. They are not the same coach. That They only won one time, and honestly, they got a coach suspended for a year by the method that they did it, which was the Bounty Gate scandal. Mm
0: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm.
0: You You almost dismiss that Super Bowl, don't you? You almost just dismiss it
2: you kind of do you kind of do i mean good job calling that onside kick sean payton but you know what uh, you and mike mccarthy you're right there together hand
0: in hand it was also uh yeah so that that happened january nineteenth, two 2002 and then i think about this weekend's games and uh you know we we realize and i i don't know that everybody is aware of this but green bay and san francisco uh, have played the most amount of times uh, the most frequent postseason matchup is San Francisco and Green Bay and the rivalry in the in the games of this magnitude in the playoffs didn't even really begin until 1996 and Green Bay won four of the first five games The Niners have won the last four they take a five to four lead in the all-time series in playoff football between the 49ers and the Packers. I think I suspect that'll be six and four right? Uh, after this weekend, we think, we think. Would you take, as I did, using the Hard Rock app last night just to throw some juice on the weekend, that is? And I threw a lot more juice. I've got things going on everywhere. By the way, the Lightning with seven goals last night, Tom. They obliterated your your under. (laughs) Yeah, that was
2: uh, an outlier. Uh, If you look at their output in recent games, and then Minnesota themselves averaged two goals a game over their last ten.
0: Yeah, seven to three just throw it out the window it is what it is like i said
2: if you're gonna lose lose quick so you don't have to sweat this thing to the end and worry about the empty net
0: agree with that and oh by the way it's uh what we do when the power plays cooking which it was last night that was just three power plays up three player power plays down those three goals thank you very much suck it moving on and uh yeah when they do that it can get it can get loose in a hurry anyhow that said um, lots of lot of things to have fun with this weekend, but appreciate this weekend because it goes by so quick, and then we're down to precious few in the way of games. And I don't count this. Many people do count this as their favorite sports weekend. Um, you know, the divisional round makes for one of these great sports weekends. And other people say wild card. I don't. I don't. I like divisional round more. The conference championships are a bigger deal. But this is the weekend where you get the the, the meat and potatoes. You, you get it all. Now, some people would tell you their favorite weekend, that is, is March Madness tip-off, like on a Thursday through that weekend, where you get all the crazy, you know, you have 48 of 63 games, you know, tournament games. It's nuts. And um, some would say the Masters weekend, which is not that far away. But that's very selective. And I think the Masters weekend might be the answer for people who live in cold weather because they just like that. Okay, spring, here we go. It's happening. Others may choose Thanksgiving. I like that. It's a holiday, but I don't think of that weekend as the preeminent weekend. This is this is the good one. This is a really good one. And then you throw into the mix that Florida State's got a big game against Clemson to keep the streak alive. And this is a busy Saturday-Sunday for Noel fans.
2: Yeah, this is one of the better times in the calendar. Personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of the middle to end of October, not just because, as you would say, it's my birthday but also because you have you know, the Pennant Series, you have the World Series. There's always, in the latter Saturdays of October, huge college football games because you played all your patsies and you're into the meat and potatoes of conference play. Typically, Florida State's playing one of Clemson or Miami in that stretch of time. You've got rivalry games. You've got big games within the conference that are going to set the tone for the top 10. Now we need to look at the top 15 when we're having those conversations mm-hmm. because of the 12-team playoff but October, everything's happening. You know, If you want some hockey, that just started too, which I always enjoy opening night for hockey. That's my time. But for the NFL, there is no better weekend than this one because most of the time, wildcard weekend is full of duds. And then you finally get some good games for the divisional weekend. Now, the spreads are suggesting that you may not be. I, I, I wonder, though. I think these are going to be close games.
0: I get a weird sense we're going to get a lot better games. First of all, they can't be worse than they were last week. The one good game was Detroit and the Rams. And I got screwed in that game, but anyhow, one good game in the, And to your point, late October is incredible. The NBA, the NHL just begun, the NFL, college football rolling on, right, just kicking ass and, and all that good stuff. At that point, so yeah, it, it's that's a good one. And that is, there's a time every late October where I'm like driving to a restaurant to meet friends or doing, and I think, man, what do how do I how do I set this up properly so I get the, so I can maximize the viewing. Maximize all of the things in the same, say, 48 hours, you know, or 72 hours. Like, how can I do all of this? So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, fun today, caught up. Just want to let everybody know for content purposes, me and the boys got caught up on uh, headliner questions. You know, I, we didn't do headlines this week because I was sick and we felt bad about that. And you know, a lot of you were asked to submit questions and you did. So that is now up. I think, Tom, you posted it. It's up now and ready to roll in the feed.
2: Yeah, so in the podcast feed, you've got the entirety of the conversation. The channel, we're going to roll it out over several installments. Uh, So the first one is already out and live, and that's your opener, where you guys are talking about uh, just routinely beating Miami on the hardwood. God, dog, it's
0: it's almost tiresome how often it happens, yes.
2: And then the meat and potatoes, you get into talking about DJU versus Cam and their fit. And then also some questions about, uh, I think, a rooting guide for Florida versus Miami. Guys you're most excited to see in the spring and then a little bit more hoops as well. So that video is available on the channel.
0: Guys we're excited to see, most excited to see in the spring was a fun question to get today, Tom, because... I you know just off the top of my head I started rattling off the guys and you know you could settle on one if you wanted most people would say DJU right off the bat just because he's your new quarterback it's the most important position it's a huge acquisition he's 6'5 250 his goods real good his bad's pretty bad but we'll see what he is I do think this and I said this and I'll repeat it here because it's worth the discussion it's a fun discussion I I do think very highly of Mike Norvell the coach now I've said this before now he's he's program building here if you will you know he's done all of that but that was the emphasis for all of us is to watch, like, how quickly can you get us out of the gutter and back into a penthouse? How soon are we going to be living the high life like we, are, like we think we're accustomed to? If, we're, if you're a certain age, you grew accustomed to things, you, get, you got used to winning. And, uh, you know, if you, if you were going to school here in the 90s, that, the thought of ever having a losing season never really crossed your mind. But then we crossed that bridge, sadly. It was a tough one to cross. Very steep, that bridge. And then, then from there, you realize that can happen. And you looked around and you saw their programs, and like Nebraska's still trying to get to the top of the bridge. But anyhow, that, that, that kind of stuff went on. But then you found your way out of that. You won another national championship. You won 29 straight games in a row. And then you thought, perish the thought of ever going back to that ridiculous climb. But then, then it happened again. It happened again, and you stumbled in the dark for a while. And then you thought, well, how quickly can Mike get us out of here? And that was the whole, that was the whole thing. But lost in that is how good a job he does typically of coaching up what he's got, putting players in a position to succeed, right? Having opportunities to win games that you ought not necessarily. That Florida State team riddled with injury a year ago probably shouldn't have gone 13-0. and They did, and you don't feel like stepping back. But I was thinking about with the acquisitions and the added speed to the roster, especially at wide receiver, and then you and I talking yesterday about what DJ is in terms of his physical tools. You love him in short-yarded situations with that body, that size. I can't imagine a scenario where you would be reluctant like last year to run him. I mean, this isn't JT, who's fragile. This is a big man. This is a monster of a man. You need to utilize that size as a weapon. And then the other asset, uh, facet of what he does well and the asset to his game is is the deep ball, is, is the cannon for an arm. So now you've gotten speed, but you've beefed up in short-yarded situations. So you have a little bit of everything that gets you excited, and I also think what you have is a guy who went away and garnered some confidence finally, and now he comes here feeling good about who he is, and he has to ball out because this is directly impacting where he'll get drafted, obviously. But he's got real weapons, and he's got a very, very good play caller and offensive mind. And that gets me back to Mike, the coach who's good at infusing confidence in players and getting guys, you know, getting the most out of guys. Hell, he's taken quite a few guys to places I didn't think they could reach, including Jordan Travis, obviously. Now he's got a guy who didn't have confidence, does have confidence, and is here playing for him with weapons and a beefier offensive line and an opportunity, I think, to, to probably get even more sure of himself in spring. And all of a sudden, you don't really know, but you might have a more potent offense on your hands here because of the diversity of it. Uh,
2: yeah, I would say instead of the who am I most excited to see, it's the where, and that's the offensive line. You know, it was just so weird what happened to the offensive line versus, uh, you know, you look at spring versus fall versus what was on the field for the twelve thirteen games during the season. In fall camp, they run blocked better than they pass protected, which was crazy because then when you get week to week, it was the opposite. Their pass pro was fine, but they couldn't run block and do the things that they wanted to do in that facet of the game. So, are they improved there? And I'm looking at that group, especially when I'm down for that week or so when I'm watching camp, I want to see who they cross train where and and how they envision things. I mean, after discussing things with the Alabama reporter Clint Lamb, Ferguson is going to be a guard. Like I understand that. But you've got some other players that are multiple in their skill sets. And if you have some young players pushing for time and pushing to be in that rotation of eight, then you might have flexibility at tackle, where you thought that there was not going to be flexibility at tackle. Let's say that Lucas Simmons or Jalen Early or Julian Armella, by the time we get to middle August, have stepped up. Well, then what do you do with Darius Washington? Or what do you do with Robert Scott? Hell, what do you do with Jeremiah Byers? So there, there's a lot of parts that you could move around, but I want to see how they construct it. I want to see how much Richie Leonard comes in and and takes a a role immediately? Does he take it away from a Keandre Jones, who I thought was pretty good? We didn't run a scheme that necessarily fits his body type, but I thought Keandre Jones wasn't bad. So how do those two mesh together? There's there's just a lot of pieces there, because if you can run the ball, if you can run what you want to run in terms of gap, then at that point, this offense does have the opportunity to take off and become really special this year.
0: Um, Yeah, and by the way, for those in the chat, yeah, no, DJU is not fast. Nobody thinks he is, but he's huge, and he's not... Uh too terribly slow-footed. So get me, get me three yards. I don't need you to run fifty yards. I got people who can do that.
2: No, exactly. This is where you—it's a race to get to third and two. Yeah. You know, if you can get to third and two, chances are you're going to move the chains. If you're going to run that type of offense, and I hope that they are. It looks like they're building to do that. That's
0: what it, it looks, looks like to it- me too.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, remember what it felt like to have the pressure on us when Tim Tebow, uh, or, you know, I'm talking in college, or Cam Newton as a Buccaneers fan. If they got into <sighs> third and two, you're screwed.
0: Yeah. And DJ, get- yeah. And DJ's certainly not Cam Newton. But yes, to your point, the size makes it impossible. Well, I mean, you see this all the time. You got a guy that big, man. If he gets yeah. moving forward and you, you miss, let's say you're in man, and now you got to come up and make that. He's falling forward, he's getting two yards, he's getting three he's, yards.
2: I- And look, I I get how this works. The consumption will say that I'm comparing him to those two superstars. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that that body type and third and short is a a weapon, and we're going to use it. We're going to bludgeon people with that weapon.
0: I do want to say this, uh, and I failed to get to it, but it was pointed out to me in a nice email that I received. I get a lot more emails these days. I appreciate that, guys. Jeff at Warchant.com. Sending me tidbits of info. You know what I didn't realize? Found this out from an FSU dean. I'll say this as we go to break. Uh, but this is pretty cool. We were giving kudos to the Bucks for getting a playoff win in a year where they were projected to win, what, four or five games at best? Uh, I certainly didn't think they would get past six wins. I thought they'd be terrible. Uh, so kudos to them for winning the division for the third straight year and not only winning the division but getting a playoff win. The Bucs, of all things, and I'm not picking them to win this weekend, but the Bucs, of all things, are one game away from playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Say that out loud given this, what we thought this was going to be. Uh, but here's what I want to do. I want to give kudos to a fellow knoll. Uh, Brian Ford is the CEO, C, excuse me, COO uh, for, for Tampa Bay and is a Florida State graduate uh, from the uh, College of Hospitality. Did you know that? I didn't know we had a guy that high up. I did not.
2: That is the ultimate Buccaneel. We consider ourselves Buccaneels, right. but if you rise to the level of COO as an FSU grad, that's that's a different level.
0: Yeah, he is responsible for all aspects of the organization's day-to-day business operations and community involvement. Under his leadership, the Bucks have ranked number one in the National Football League and the customer service experience nine of the last 11 years while he's been there. I had no idea, and so I yeah. want to thank this dean Don Farr, over at FSU for pointing this out to me.
2: Well, I think Brian Ford, maybe the PR team needs to let's go puff up a little bit. I didn't know that. Now, what I what I do know is that uh, uh, the shirt that you're wearing. We're both uh, celebrating Tampa sports today a little yeah, bit. Yeah. but that organization, well, ever they since win every
0: the- year. Yeah, they win. Yeah
2: the owner took over, he brought uh, the wiki brothers in from the Seattle Seahawks, mm-hmm. who forever, the Seahawks were yeah. considered to be the yeah. creme de la creme. There's been cross-pollination in terms of collaboration, figuring out how to get more engaged. It's good to see, man, because legitimately, you hear the national announcers talking about it now, but the downtown area has become revitalized. That's, that's the Lightning owner's vision. So, because of the medical school that's down there and some of the building that's been done by the old, uh, what do they call it? It's now Sparkman Wharf, but it used to be called something else. By the arena, that place is starting to come to life and the city's starting to expand. So it's good to hear that the franchises are meeting those demands in terms of making it a first-class experience. So way to go, Knowles.
0: Yeah, I had no idea, but I appreciate that kind of an email right there. That's good. That's better than the email that I get where somebody thinks I'm the world's biggest a-hole and they hate me and they think I'm responsible for everything that's wrong in society. I like those emails too, but for different reasons. I read those and I laugh and I think, this poor man. This poor, ignorant, silly man. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Okay, Michelle, 93.3 Real Talk. Radio are War Chan TV on a live Nation's Friday. Lucy Goosey, feeling good. Glad you're here. Appreciate you being here. Fun to think about the future, think about the weekend, that is, but also the long-term future of Florida State. Tom and I were just discussing it and having a good time, talking about what this team will look like, how they'll play uh, as the pieces come together, and that kind of ties into something else that I thought about, which is every day I get up, now there's another story of another Bama player who's decided to enter the portal. That's a good thing. Let's keep that rolling, baby. I want to see those folks continue to reel under the realization that they're just another football program. Just like that, it happens quick. It happens very, very quick. I had a um, a guy point out that uh, Bear Bryant won six national titles. Won what was it? Eighty something percent of his games. Eighty one percent of his games. Nick Saban. Six national titles, eighty-seven percent of his games. Are you effing kidding me? By the way, that is a remarkable stretch. But, but outside of uh, that, Alabama coaches have won sixty percent of their games and one other title. That's it. That's it. That's all. And the thought was, do they? Do they once again? revert back to that. Yes. Yes. That's what they've been. That's what they were. You know, that's, that's the whole, that's what they were. Well, so
2: today, the, did you see the quarterback? Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, entering that's the what, portal?
0: That's what I'm referencing.
2: Yeah. So, you know, Nick having an office there didn't save him. You know, he came there to play for Nick Saban. And now potentially he's going to Ohio state or to USC number one quarterback recruit in this previous class. I don't know if Nick thought that he has a corner office and it's going to help everything be the status quo, but it most certainly is not. Well, why not would enough it? To
0: save. Why would it? I, I don't understand this. You know, Steve Spurrier does this in Gainesville. W- what good could that possibly do? Uh, Bobby Bowden wouldn't do it, and for good reason. He didn't want to lord over the next coach. It's, it's just uncool. I mean, I, why would you do that? You can't think that's a good idea. To have an office and oversee, unless you're taking, like, an actual job with the university. Like, you're the athletic director now. Barry Alvarez did that. You know, like, like that, I, I don't get it. Very difficult to operate when you're the next guy. You know, Gene Stallings won a national championship at Alabama. And I love Gene Stallings in many ways. I love Gene Stallings more than I have any Alabama figure ever, right? Gene was awesome. And I got to meet him. And he was a super nice guy. Met him down in the Orange Bowl. And um, I always loved that story. He and his son, and anybody that doesn't know that story, go back and research that. Awesome. Um, there's a tearjerker of a special that they ran on him, and his son had Down syndrome, and, and, and he let him come to all the practices and be in the locker room and have a role with the team. and it just It's just a beautiful story. But the, the point would be, um, yeah, outside of that, Al- most of my life outside of that, Alabama was uh, Nothing. You didn't think about Alabama in that way. Saban was the magic. <laughs> Saban was the magic. Not that Alabama didn't have tradition, of course, but Saban was the magic. No, Nobody has come close. Nobody will come close. And I don't know if that factored in Mike Norvell's decision as to whether or not to take the job. Uh, or, or not take the job, right? I don't know. But it has to sit with you a little bit. Knowing there is nothing that you can do short of winning you know, three or four national championships in seven or eight years. There's nothing you can do to live up to that. You're being hired to be fired. You're not going to – De DeBoer, what, what, what would DeBoer have to do here to keep that job? And how bizarre is it going to be to show up to work every day and here's Nick Saban chilling? Oh, well, I mean, you're leaving a
2: situation where the seat is the opposite of hot. I mean, you are the king. It's a throne at Washington for what you've just done. And your seat's automatically warm where you go. And for Mike, I mean, when you list all the things out that have to go right for you to succeed at Alabama, you're going to start behind. Look, this isn't exactly the last bastion of uh, great recruiting coaching staffs. You know, they're they're okay at it. But who are you taking with you to fill out those those openings? How many of those guys are you bringing with you? How many of them have the power, the clout to retain the roster that Alabama currently has when you arrive? I'm talking about a week ago. A week ago, you arrive on campus and you got to tell kids, don't leave. Trust me. Trust in what we've got. Clearly, DeBoer doesn't have enough clout to be able to pull that off. Mm -hmm. So Now, as it is talked about, I don't know if it's 100% true, but it would stand to reason that Alabama NIL comes at a discount compared to the open market because playing at Alabama comes with its own advantages. So I don't have to pay you every cent that Lane Kiffin, needs to pay you to go to Ole Miss because you're coming to play for Nick Saban. You're coming to play for Alabama. You're going to make more money in the league. So when you think about it that way, the moment that Nick leaves, they're behind because their NIL game is not as strong. So you're playing catch-up in an era that Nick Saban didn't arrive to Tuscaloosa in. Other institutions in your conference, in your division, already have these war chests. I mean, Auburn is extremely aggressive very, in the NIL Very, very
0: aggressive, Yes.
2: Ole Miss is very aggressive in the NIL game. They've been winning the portal
0: this offseason, yes.
2: You're behind those two institutions. By the time your players enter into the portal, unless you're going to go grab kids from Washington, where you just came from, or in in Mike's case, grab kids from here and Michigan when Harbaugh leaves, you don't really have many options. So your roster is going to be behind. Your NIL game is behind. How the hell are you supposed to win 10-11 games if if that's what's going on?
0: Yeah, now they've had a surplus for sure, of elite players, and they're littered all over the field. Now, they, you know, nobody's gonna cry for Mr. DeBoer here early on. He he ought to have, at the very least, a, what eight nine win season. But that's the very kind of season that lands you on the hot seat almost instantly. You know, if you go nine and three next year, they're like, "Look at this bum. We had a quarterback last year who couldn't throw." And we still won the devi- – we won the SEC because <laughs> of the genius of Nick. But they're not wrong. It is because of the genius of Nick. It's ridiculous that they won the SEC with that kid. Well,
2: and if you watch that game, they should have won by multiple scores. And and like I'm talking about three scores maybe because Milrow missed a lot of things that were just right there. And how is it that that Georgia team, that team is in a position to where you get slapped across the face – back and forth and back and forth and you can't do anything about it to an inferior Alabama. Th- I mean, come on now, let's, yeah. let's be honest. They've been recruiting at a high level, but we know what Georgia is, what Alabama was last year. Come on now. How is it that you can lose to Milroe by multiple scores? If he bothers to hit a couple open receivers, that's yeah,
0: crazy. It's it's uh, a couple of things there though, in fairness, and this is something that we said before the season began in the, in the modern era, In the poll era, not these made-up titles that people used to do all the time that Alabama's done and others have done, where they just like, like Jerry Jones and them like to tell people they won a national title at Arkansas. No, you didn't. Anyhow, but people do this all the time, where they just make it up, they pick one of the titles and they say it's theirs and it's their national title. Uh, Nobody had ever won back-to-back-to-back. Nobody. There's a reason. It's just really effing hard to do. You can't have a bad day. You can't have a bad day and you're going to run into somebody who's really motivated who's really motivated cuz you've won back to back and he's armed enough to get it done and the weight is on you the pressure is on you it's not on them you're favored to win the game you've got the better team if you start poorly this look look what happened with Dallas and Green Bay it's not a fair example but the second that game got and by the way kudos to LaFleur for taking winning the Coin toss and taking the ball. Do you know that Green Bay's done that six straight games? When they win the coin toss, they take the ball and they've gone down and scored every time. Every time. So they knew that Dallas had the weight of the world on them. Dak had the weight of the world on his shoulders. That whole Cowboys team hadn't lost a game at home. Before they blink, it's seven to nothing. Then you have the interception, right? Which, oops. Bad time to miss that badly. Now it's 14 to nothing. Because you turn it over on your own, whatever that was, 25-yard line, right? So the next thing you know, is 14 to nothing. At 14 to nothing, you're not playing Green Bay. You're playing the demons. You're playing the ghosts. You're playing the expectations. You're playing that thick feel in the crowd that we used to talk about at Hauser for regionals that comes with never having done it, right? That's the weight of the world. So I think that's how you could see Georgia get beaten in an SEC championship game with a superior team.
2: Well, and the other thing is, to bring it back to the original point, uh, the ghosts are what DeBoer is going to have to coach against. The ghosts, even, but the ghost is alive, and he's in the stands, and he's sitting in a suite, and anytime something good or bad happens, if it's visible, if his body is visible in the stadium, the TV crew is going to pick it up.
0: Oh, buddy, that camera's coming over.
2: (laughs) It's going right there. I mean, look, Spurrier's more than happy to grimace anytime something happens. That little oh, look Oh, and he and gives his that
0: smug, oh, it's got to be the worst feeling in the world. And now, if you're Napier, what are you going to say? What are you, right. you going to say? Right. That, that dude's their hero.
2: Right, yeah. It, I, I mean, he's done anything, everything short of Steve Spurrier has in the booth with a Florida polo on going like this and just going Oh, oh
0: yeah, undermining. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Right, yeah. No, Pat Dye did it. And, and Nick hated for Auburn that Pat Dye did it. That's why I don't understand the blind spot. That doesn't make a lick of sense to me.
0: I wonder, though, how often he'll be there. I mean, I I don't think the office keeps you up at night. It's his presence. Like, is he there smoking a cigar, watching your practice? (laughs) You're like, well, sweet Jesus, man, I can smell the cigar smoke. He's just like, what you doing there? What's the purpose of this drill? Well,
2: and then (laughs) the first time you struggle, you have your athletic director saying, look, I wanted to call a meeting and bring Nick in just to, you know, maybe... (laughs) Workshop some ideas, you know. I mean, oh, since we man. have this asset here, we have this asset who's the, the greatest to ever do it. I mean, why don't we use this guy and bring him in just to offer some thoughts?
0: And nobody likes that. You think about business. I I've joked for years on the show that I want to be a consultant when I'm done being a talk show host. The best job in the world is being a consultant. You don't have to know or do anything. You just have to have the title of consultant. You get paid lots of money. They fly you around. You sit in on somebody else's work whom you know nothing about, uh, anything about, and then you criticize it and say, this is what I would do, and then you leave. There you go. It's pretty easy. I want to be a consultant. Can't wait. Somebody make me a very high-paid consultant. They all are for some reason, and uh, and and it's a, and it's a great deal. But but like for example, uh, the the most resentment I ever had. They sent in a consultant when I was at Clear Channel, um, and and was early on, but having some success. I think I was probably year six, seven, whatever it was. And this guy comes to town. He's a nice enough guy. whatever, we all go to dinner, he pretends to care. And um, and and he's going to listen in. And then uh, he's listening to the show. And then you know. You can't listen to anybody's show and get a sense of what it is one time. Now you can listen to somebody, whether or not they're a capable talk show host. Like I can listen to a guy one time and be like, "Yeah, that dude's he, he can't do it. He doesn't know how to do it." But but short of that, you can't know the personality of a show. You can't know the irreverence or whatever it might be. Right? There are running themes and shows and references and things like that. So my man gets sent in from San Antonio, and he he goes, "Well, all I'll say is," uh, and he. like anybody else who listened to me would understand, was rightfully critical of the fact that I don't tease. I don't tease going to break in and out. Because I always hated it. Always hated it. And and so, you know, I'm stubborn. And he said that, and I said, great. And I thought, man, they paid that dude a ton of money to come in here and say that, which I already knew, and I'm not going to (laughs) change. Now imagine. So I resented that. Now imagine it's Nick. And you sit down across, and you're like, you know, we're so happy to have you here. And we thought year one, for the most part, went quite well. Now, there was that stumbling block on the road against Ole Miss. Tough loss. It can happen. It can happen. Hell, we've lost games just last year. I mean, under Nick, we lost games. It happens. Speaking of, Nick, would you come on in? We want to sit, have him sit down and let's compare some notes. We thought it would be a great time to come together and have this conversation. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. You know, uh, Coach, I'm sorry. I understand we've got the whole team here, and you're going through team film. Uh, I understand that. Sorry. Everybody just forgive me here. Forgive me. But I thought personally, as the athletic director of Alabama, I thought it would be a great opportunity. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Here we go. Nick Saban is going to give you a little lecture here on what it takes to win (laughs) football games. So, Coach, I'm so sorry to cut into your time. But, Nick, uh, go ahead. He's only got some thoughts, uh, small thoughts, probably about 25, 30 minutes. All right, Coach, come on in here. Come on.
0: You have to sit there. Thank you, Coach Saban. Thank you, Coach Sabin. I think we all agree we're very fortunate to have this resource right here. Right? So, anyhow, guys, as I was saying, it's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Just say this, we were set to do a little bit more on uh, the lawsuit and the latest updates. Uh, We're going to push that back for a couple of reasons, none to get into here, but um, uh, we talked about it, Tom and I did yesterday, but uh, hang in there, there, nothing too big has happened. We already referenced sort of the uh, aggressive nature of what the uh, ACC has done and what we think that means, but we'll have a legal opinion on that sometime in the near future. Hang in there on that. I know I had mentioned it previously. Um, I get excited every time that there is new news, because it seems like to me, Tom, since all this has gone down, that most of it has kind of revealed some things, maybe not things that will change the, the nature of the suit or how this ends up and how quickly it ends up, but rather just kind of opens your eyes to stuff you didn't know. Like, oh, I had no idea that this was in place or that was in place or this had to be renewed or that. Like, we've already found out stuff just by going down this road.
2: Yeah, I think by definition, Florida State's not on the hook for over $500 million. when uh, The ACC can't guarantee you that its network is going to exist in more than a few years from now. <laughs> yeah. like, so since you can't guarantee me through 2036, nine years of that's already knocked off, at least to me. this is Now, judges see things differently. They weigh penalties differently and, and who knows if yeah, it goes yeah. into a court of law how things are going to work out but if you're telling me that the network isn't guaranteed through 36 mm. how am i on the hook for my rights through all the, year, the way 20? through
0: 36 that's what i was thinking too
2: right and then the other thing is when the acc preemptively files a suit five minutes before i believe your previous guest to this end said it was 455 455, 455 yeah. on a
0: friday yeah
2: right so last order of business on a friday so nobody knows about it the day before Florida State goes ahead and operates the way it does, that tells me that they have a level of concern. If they weren't concerned, they would say, go ahead, Florida State, do what you want to do, name the venue, no problem. But they are concerned. so Those two things lead me to believe that the number is not going to be the maximum that Florida State presented, and it's already down to something that's probably palatable, but let's see how much more we can knock this thing down, because the more you knock down the price to get out, the sooner you are operating dollar for dollar with power two competition. And don't let this athletic department operate dollar for dollar with the competition. we have, we've never had that chance. We've never had that luxury. Bring it on. If we get that chance, buddy, man, this, this thing is going all the way to the moon in terms of the entire athletic department.
0: One can dream and let's hope it all happens. Oh, so quickly. I know many people received their emails this past week regarding uh, which package you're going to purchase if, in fact, you are going to do it that way uh, through Aer Lingus and make your way over to Ireland for that first game. That game is already on my mind, partly because we're going to be there and it's fun and I love Ireland, but also just because of what I think this season can be. And then also the thought that this is maybe the last year ever in the ACC. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Just a a, – yeah, just a fresh –
2: A A Guinness salute. I mean, every day is Libations Day over there. You've got Libations Monday, next day is Libations Tuesday, followed by Libations Wednesday. And if you haven't had enough Libations, (laughs) enjoy this Libations Thursday, that would be something to celebrate over. And I know for a fact also, we've got special tailgate opportunities that we're going to be sharing in the weeks to come. Some of them have a ticket package assigned with them too. So if you haven't purchased an entire vacation, but you want a ticket to the game and then a really cool game day experience to go along with it, we're going to be sharing those opportunities, which is pretty fun.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that and I, our role in that. I mean, it's a far way off for a lot of people now, but it's, you know, when the football season ended, you suddenly then turned your attention to next season and began to think about, all right, well, how do we lay this out? It's just that the schedule around college football is, is resembling pro football more and more. I mean, I, we, you know, we're think, thinking about what the team's going to look like, what the record's going to be, and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're in spring football. And once you're in spring football, you are really thinking about how close you are to August. And I just know that if you take us back 10 to 13 days, there was just not a good sense that things were going well for Florida State. And now here we sit on a Friday, January 19th, this month, by the way, the opposite of December, Tom, it is flying past. Remember, you, th- you were, like, angry how long you thought December lasted. Oh, well,
2: I think it's the longest month in Florida State football <laughs> program history. <laughs> I mean, it sucked. You had one good Saturday night that led into a Sunday morning, and, buddy, I was up to the wee hours getting ready and just in, in basking in the glow, getting ready for that reaction show. And then from that point on, from whatever time that was, 11.15 in the morning yeah. until New Year's, dear God, it lasted 700 days. 700 days it
0: lasted. It seemed to take forever. I'm not going to lie. I I was with you on that. I just was laughing because you are seldom shook by these things, but you're like, God, December will never end. I could see it on your face. You were under a lot of stress. There was a lot going on with you. Well,
2: bad months to pick a move, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, mean, (laughs) it's never going to end
2: moving 18 and a half hours away. He was probably not, uh, not wa- I didn't know that though. It should have been bowl practices, candy, rainbows, and sunshine. I'm sorry. Playoff practices, invitational practices. Instead, it was Armageddon to the roster. Who's going opt out. I mean, you know, it signing day didn't go perfectly. It was, um, a little rough, a
0: little rough, but now it's almost February, buddy. In February, once you're in February, it's nearly March. Here you go. And pitchers and catchers soon enough, buddy. And here we roll. We got FSU baseball this year coming up.
2: We also, within a couple of weeks, if history is our guide, we will have the football schedule laid out in terms of dates, weekends, and opponents, bye weeks all those kinds of things, which means the w and W's and L's are only a couple of weeks away.
0: W's and L's only a couple of weeks away. And let me put a ribbon on the point I was going to make. We got sidetracked by talking about the endless December, a long December, the Counting Crows say. So here you go. What I would say to you is that uh, just 10 to 13 days ago, A whole lot of helpless, hopelessness, a lot of feeling of limbo, frustration. I don't know that anybody's not already really excited. Like, people, if you go and look at the boards or you look at my inbox, you look at all this stuff, like, I now see maybe too much enthusiasm if there's such a thing. It's good for us, but I just, it's fascinating to watch how quickly it changes. And this is the world we're in now. This is the world of college football. I I don't get too highs with the high, too high with the highs and too low with the lows. At least in terms of personnel and what I think a team's going to be, because I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a feeling, and I hinted at this before, and maybe I got too specific. People thought uh, maybe I was inferring something. Read between the lines. I usually do a pretty good job at this. I, I don't think Florida State's done. I, I you know, let's let's see what happens. It just stands to reason that there'd be a couple positions you'd still target and probably a few more opportunities that will present themselves. Spring these days uh, is a very interesting time because, in essence, you come out of spring and you watch it all happen again. You watch all the disgruntled and frustrated people who didn't win the jobs or weren't on the depth chart the way they thought they were going to be, and they run out of the portal. And you're going to lose some guys. Florida State's going to lose several players, but they have a chance to gain several players as well. And if you look at that exchange currently, what Florida State's lost – at least in, in, in the sense of those that have chosen to leave and what Florida State's gained, well, they've elevated the floor of talent immensely. You're replacing guys, again, I don't want to take cheap shots, but you're replacing guys that ended up at Rutgers, that ended up at Southern Miss and places like that, with guys that played at LSU and Alabama in Georgia. And, you know, I mean, All right. I'll take that exchange. And I think that will continue.
2: And Alabama. And Alabama. And Alabama and again, Alabama.
0: Tom. And more Alabama. Maybe, just maybe, there's another Alabama to be had. If you could somehow convince that offensive tackle, that kid who was a stud as a freshman, to make his way here, it'd be good times. It's hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with me.